This is the People Focus Podcast with Talkstaff, celebrating the most important asset that we all have, our people. The people that help keep our businesses running each and every day. The people that motivate us when times are hard, help us make decisions that don't always feel like they're the right ones, and challenges when we need to stay on track to achieve the overall company mission. They are the purpose behind what we do, and this is where we honor them. The People Focus Podcast, and here's your host, Gary Parsons. I'm excited to be joined today by Julio Taylor of the amazing digital marketing agency, Hallam. Having joined them first as the creative director in 2017, following a company merger, Julio is now CEO and continues to push forward in growing their business with their people at the heart of it. Hallam is consistently winning awards for their top quality work and deliverables, boasting names such as United Nations, Suzuki, Speedo, Boots, LG, and recently has been ranked as position 53 in the best companies to work for's SME category in 2021. Hopefully that's a great introduction. Hello and welcome, Julio. How are you doing today? Good, Gary. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be part of this and it's good to be doing something together after we've known each other for quite a few years now, but we've never had the pleasure of working together. So thank you for having me. We've sat in lots of rooms, haven't we, over the last number of years, whether that's been looking at how we're scaling up our own businesses or... Uh, lots of different avenues and I know you work with some some of our team already which is great so hearing all of these names that I've just mentioned I'm feeling quite starstruck to have you here and on our <laughs> podcast which is great so one of the reasons why we wanted to invite you on the um, podcast is to talk about your people as being CEO and we've just mentioned there that you joined as creative director in 2017 that journey has been huge for you so how has your role changed in this three, four years? Um, of course, we've had a, a pandemic in that time as well. How have you got on? It's been a big change, for sure. I, I obviously started my own business uh, initially before the merger. So I was at the helm of the company and I was uh, managing director at the time, but it was a very small company. So it was a, a very different challenge. When we merged with Hallam, we, we, we knew that it would be a very different journey and that things would kind of accelerate by quite a few years, but I didn't realize that it would be quite that quick, you know? So we went from 35, I think 40 people combined after the merger, um, building a design team from scratch and then fast forward four years and there's a global pandemic and I'm, and I'm in the hot seat for CEO, which is very strange, daunting a little bit for sure. But at the same time, it was actually a really good time to take the role because everything kind of had to change because of the pandemic, you know, the way that we work, the way that we position the company. And it was kind of like all the points of reference of what being a CEO used to be were gone. So in a way, I didn't have the pressure of stepping into the same building, into the same office with the same people face to face. I was able to take the role in a almost like a redefined playing field. So in a way, that was a good thing for me. I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in and I and I love it. I love my job and I'm very grateful for that. A comment that was brought up with me recently was if it doesn't scare you, then you're not doing enough. So to change that role in 2020 must have been quite scary for you. However, did you, was that a natural change for you? Was this planned? Were you, did you skill yourself up to be able to to work at that level before? 
Um, it was planned in this a little bit in the sense that you know uh, Susan, who founded Hallam, uh, had always wanted to step out of the company at some point. So there was always a discussion about what comes next. I hadn't really thought about me being necessarily the natural successor. However, my whole life has been built on finding my own way and making my own luck, and 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 always just pushing forward. That's always been my direction. I've never wanted to be. And a company man or an employee or a, or a career type of person, I've always been quite bold in my path and for better or for worse. And there have been mistakes along the way for sure. But it's something that doesn't scare me, frankly. And um, that might sound a bit arrogant. I don't know. But I just know that things will go wrong at some point. But you just have to go with it. And, and that's always been my attitude. Where did that come from then, would you say? That's a... To be to put yourself in those positions and and it's not arrogant at all, but to put yourself in those positions and say, I'm going to just keep pushing forward and I want this and I and I can do it and having that confidence. Who instilled that in you? Where did that come from? Probably my parents, my mum. My mum's definitely the most tenacious person I've ever known in my life. I remember when I was a kid, my parents always said to me, um, you you can be anything you like. You can be a gardener, you can be an astronaut, you can be a doctor, be whatever you like. I don't care. As long as you're happy and you're a good person, we're never going to think any more of le- or less of you. We'll, we'll, we'll be happy for you. They meant it, you know, and that was true. And I had every opportunity. I went to some great schools and I, I, I grew up in a lot of different countries. I was quite an international kid growing up, but I always pursued what I loved. And, uh, you know, I spent a long time in a band and, and trying to pursue that lifestyle. And then I started a, an agency with one of my best friends and we just kind of went for it. You know, we always took the view that we'll find a way. Everybody's always done something for the first time, right? So why can't we do it? And that's how I always saw it. And it's pretty naive, I have to say. It's pretty naive, but um, some of it has worked out well. And it has, absolutely. Those names that we've talked about there, I don't know if they some of those were there before you joined Hallam, but certainly... There's new names that have joined that list over the, over that time. Can we go back to Susan? Susan did a, did a great job of taking the company from zero to you know where we were when I took over, and some of those clients were there. And obviously, Hallam's always had a great reputation, and and a lot of that has been through Susan's work over, over time. And she's been a real uh, pioneer and trailblazer as a as a female leader in digital, which has always been a very rare thing. Still is now, which is. Um, a bit of a shame, to be honest. Uh, so she she did a really good job, and uh, and it's made it easier for me because I've taken over a brand that is already respected. It's already got loyalty. It's already got you know salience. It has all these things that a lot of companies have never had. What I've been able to do is is lean on some really amazing people at Hallam and work together to do something better. But that's the, always the goal, isn't it, Gary? It's always just a bit better than before. That's the view that I always like like to take. That's a nice way of looking at it, absolutely. Because sometimes we push ourselves too much. And to walk into the shoes of somebody like Susan, who I've, I've met, I think, before we met, actually, or perhaps was it the other way around? We'd, we'd um, taken part in a couple of seminars and workshops and, and different programmes out there. I, I, of course, that was probably priming you up ready to do all of these things, which was, which was great. And I remember... Some of the, I won't say heated conversations we had, but we're both very passionate people, which is great to be in a room with you and I, but perhaps not great for everybody <laughs> else because we were so passionate about subjects, uh, which is why I wanted to talk to you today. However, having Susan in the background and building this brand, and it was the Susan Hallam 
brand that that's what was there and of course she took different positions within boards within Nottingham quite prominent Mm -hmm. positions to to step into those shoes you've already said that was that was quite a scary thing to do but you must have a lot of admiration for her are you still in touch with her now we 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 speak often and see each other from time to time the thing is um I don't see it as stepping into her shoes I'm, I'm leading the company and I'm doing it in my my own shoes right and 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 I feel like um that's completely okay. It's always a dangerous thing when you have a you know a well-respected, well-known leader with a reputation and so on, and and you turn up and everyone's like, well, who's this? Who's this guy? What's that? Right? My style isn't about me. It's not about me. It's about our brand and it's about our company and it's about our people and the collective good that we're trying to create. And sure, I am the figurehead of the company, and I and in some ways I represent the agency to people who have never heard of us. Uh, but that stops pretty quickly. I think as soon as you go through the first layer of Hallam, you begin to see actually there's so much depth there that it is it isn't about me anymore, and that's the way it should be. That's what I want it to be like. I want I want I want to be the dumbest guy in the room with the least value to add when you're in the Hallam building. That's what I want, and 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 that's exactly what happens. You know, if you come to a pitch or you come to a business meeting at Hallam. The value is not that can't come from me, and 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 I, that's what I want it to be. It, it shouldn't be a personality cult or a you know a supporting structure to what I'm doing. It should be the other way around. I should be there to serve serve the good of the of the whole organization, and that's my daily job. It's it's that. It's a great way of looking at it. Of course, they they say you should surround yourself with experts, and you're absolutely doing that. I know when I walked into the building. I can't remember when I walked in there and there's another once I've actually been over. I'm not dropping a hint <laughs> there, but the once that I've been over, you straight away you could feel the culture in the business. In fact, I think lots of people have gone out for cocktails or or pizza or something that day that I that I came in, but you could feel that culture straight away when I went downstairs and um and I think Rosie yeah, is yeah, it? Susan's dog, yeah. dog was was there and you uh, it was great and you could feel that straight away. So let's let's talk about Hallam because I've noticed that Hallam has really been pushing themselves to be the employer of choice. We've just talked about that high ranking, number 53 of 100 in, in the UK. That's that's huge to be able to get up yeah. that high. Where where does this, where's the drive so, for this come from? I, t- I tell the story a lot, um, but it's 100% the truth. Quite a few years ago, maybe 15, 16 years ago, I was I had a terrible job. And I absolutely hated my job. And I was sitting on the bus going to work one morning and it was raining and it was dark. I was on the roundabout on Mid Merriam Way, you know, the one where the Holiday Inn is now. In Nottingham, and, yeah, I know. And I was leaning against the window and I was hoping with all my might that the bus would crash so I wouldn't have to go to work that day. And I was honestly thinking, I don't want to go, I, I don't want to go to work. And I hope there's an, uh, you know, a little crash and the bus stops and we don't have to go to, I don't know, it was just irrational, you know, and I, and I, and I sort of, from that day on, I think I, I became religiously driven to have a job that I love. That was it. And, and, I, and when I founded my own agency a few years later, the only value that we had was that you have to love your job. In the morning, when you go, when you go, in your car or on the bus or walking, commuting, whatever. I want you to feel like, cool, I'm going to work. I'm going to sit with my friends. I'm going to, I'm going to sit somewhere that I enjoy being. It's not work. It's fun. I enjoy it. 
and and that's where it comes from as silly as that story is and how daft is like a 22 year old guy hoping for the bus to crash that's what drove me from that point on and and i've always prioritized first and foremost you need to love your job if you love your job it's not work and and that's it that's where it comes from that's where my drive my personal drive for that has come and i i've shared that story thousands of times with i'm sure people from Hallam if they listen to this said they think oh here he is again with a damn bus story but it's true. That is actually where it comes from. You talked about your parents earlier, where your values and where your drive and tenacity comes from. However, that moments like that in our lives really do make us think, I need to change. I need to move forward. I need to do something about it. If that bus had crashed or you'd, that you might have made it crash, then you wouldn't have what you had today. And it's so many people I know over the last year, and I've, I've had it in the 12 years of course, we're celebrating our 12 years now. Congratulations. It's our, however, in those 12 years, I've had moments where I've not wanted to walk through the doors of the building that we're in. I didn't love the job I was doing. I, I enjoyed being around a lot of the people at the time that were in the business. I remember somebody saying to me, um, I'll, I'll talk about her. She's We're still in contact now. Gina, who was our payroll manager uh, of our payroll bureau that we, that we do outsourcing for. And she said to me, I'm leaving. She was leaving. And she said, I'm not leaving the business because of you. I'm leaving the business because I need to leave the business. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I said, I don't know if what I'm doing is right anymore. I don't know if I should be coming through this door. Have I got something wrong? And and I wasn't thinking of that because of her. I had lots of things going on. And she said to me, stay, carry on doing what you're doing because you are the reason that I will, that I love this place, that I enjoy it. You were the hardest reason for me to leave this job. And I know I'm leaving, but please don't have that as any reflection on you because it's an amazing place. You make it what it is. And it's not just me, it's the people around her. And certainly David, you know, my co-director, co-founder, do not change because you've got an amazing business here. And Whenever I have a bad day, I always think about that. We've all gone through difficult days. When when you know when when lockdown first came in, we we lost over a third of our revenue within a week. You know because clients began to panic and there were shockwaves for the country. I'm sure a lot of I'm sure you guys were in a similar situation, and it, it was a really difficult time. But but at those times is where culture saves your business. What saved our business. Yeah. In the, at that time was the fact that everybody at Hallam was like, cool, we're going to do something. We're going to get this right. We're going to, we got into rooms, we figured it out. We made emergency finance plans. We tactically furloughed the fewest people possible and we saved virtually all the jobs that we intended to, to do. And that only happened because everybody was engaged and they loved where they work. And the, the question of people in a company that doesn't rely on robots to do its job should always be the priority. There's no question about it, especially nowadays where talent is even more difficult to find. I think there's a, such a proliferation of uh, of skill-based companies now trying to make a success of what, you know, of what we've been able to do that it is difficult to retain talent. And, and not only is it difficult to retain talent, you need people who actually care about their jobs for you to be able to do anything other than the basics. That's another reason why more consciously, rather than a sort of like irrational drive for the bus to crash, like a more conscious strategy is 
If without if you took the people out of your business, it stops immediately. Why wouldn't you prioritize them? It's basic business logic to me. And I don't subscribe to the old factory mindset of, you know, people should be glad to have their jobs. What are they complaining about? Blah, blah, blah. It's completely non nonsensical. It just doesn't work. I think so many companies look at, and we have this all the time with our coaching clients, what we do is we make sure that they as the title of the podcast certainly uh, hints at is that we get them to focus on their people because so many companies will focus on their marketing quite rightly that that's there that obviously that's important to do you'll know that more than most of course they'll focus on their finance there's other people in our podcast episodes that are talking about finance there's so many areas operationally people finance marketing so many areas but for us we see it that without people, what business do you really have? And very few businesses don't need people, like you say, they're, they're robots. Of course, we've seen a new industrial revolution that companies now are installing robots left, right and centre. But clearly, you've just said there that people are the heart of the business and you need them because I imagine that they, they're thinking and they're yeah, coming up with new ideas. For sure. time. One of the benefits of the job that I do and the work that we do uh, is that we, we see hundreds of companies a year from the inside, right? We, we, we get into marketing departments and we get into boardrooms and you can tell instantly the effect of good quality leadership, what good cultures do and how they manifest themselves. And you can see it instantly. And in the past, I've, I've, I've experienced the opposite of that. I've experienced, you know, in previous times, I've experienced um, and I've seen firsthand the effects of toxic leadership and the, the effects of aggressive leadership and, 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 and ruling by fear and all these, these concepts that have never, ever yielded good results. And I've never seen it happen, and I and I don't understand why it's still revered in in, in certain management circles or, or whatever, you know. And and um, people have a choice now. I, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to maybe 25, 30 years ago to find a job. It's a bit hard. You have to first of all know who to go to, and you you went to maybe a recruitment consultant, and they they would know some companies, and they would have some contacts, but. I think your ability to reach every company in the city was actually pretty limited. Nowadays, candidates can go like that and they can find thousands of job postings in seconds. And I think the ability for a disengaged employee to just fly like that, it's easier than it was, you know, in the 90s, let's say, or in the 80s. So, so this mindset of like, hold on to your job, you should be grateful to have one. It's just fake. It's false. It's not real. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And unless you're overpaying people, I don't see how you can retain people through bullying and, and so on. You just made a really valid point there. It's going to cost you more money because you're going to have to pay people a lot more money. Of course, you see a high turnover of, yeah. of people coming and going from the business. So why would you yeah. why would you not focus on culture and values on all of these things that, that you should be doing in a business? It's crazy. Why would you do that? Why would, why would you not consider it? So taking it forward then, Julio, you obviously you're doing something right to be successful for the team to have fun and do that. How do you measure that in your business and what things are you doing to invigorate that, that element, that value of fun that you've talked about in the business while still being successful and still pushing forward? Obviously there are uh, objective ways of measuring engagement and, and, and so on, which, which we do Gallup 12 and things like that. And, and we do, we do score pretty well on those things. 
We do a lot of one-to-ones and a lot of skip-level meetings where you know you can go and speak to other teams about their leaders with their consent and stuff like that. That's you know, but I think there's also an intangible, not uh, subjective way of measuring this, which is: Do people live the values that you think they should be living, and do they automatically react in the way that you would expect? Them? What do they do when a crisis happens? You know, what do they do when a client is out of line and and so on? You know, and and um, I look out for certain markers. Like for example, some months ago we went to a pitch for a fairly well-known brand. Pitch went okay, I think. You know, we presented, the questions were okay. It wasn't brilliant, but it was all right. And after the pitch, two members of the team, we had a quick debrief. We have a debrief after every single pitch and anyone can speak, whether you're the CEO or you're whatever, you can speak. And somebody said, we should work with these guys. They don't fit our values. And I was like, okay. And and, and they were like, they're rude. They spoke over X and they, they didn't value this. I don't think they'll value the quality of our work. We won't be able to be strategic. If, and, and they felt that it didn't meet the values that our company is supposed to embody because they personally felt that. And I think that is an example of what you should be striving to do, right? This isn't the Hallam way. We shouldn't be working with these guys. And and then there's a whole discussion about whether we should and shouldn't. And and actually what we did was we wrote back and said, before you make your decision, we decided to step away from the pitch process. Thank you for considering us. We don't want to pursue it any further. And the reason why, if they wanted to know, which we, we would be happy to explain if they asked, would be because we don't think we're a good cultural fit. We've also had a situation recently where we were approached by a fairly well-known fashion brand and the team, again, raised it and said, they don't fit our values. You know, that the, the, there is an environmental modern slavery. There are uh, certain performance marketing expectations that I that we think are harmful to the team and to the company. And then we had a great big debate. We got finance involved They all had a, and they made a decision and we chose not to pitch. To me, those things are more valuable than surveys. And that can only happen if you have a great culture. And what you've just described there is the company's behaviours. And it's great to hear the teamwork like that because it's been a joint decision. There's a behaviour in itself that you've come together that you've said, well, this doesn't align to our values, which is amazing to hear. That you're, that you're thinking that and the team are thinking that. And the fact that the behaviours there are saying, well, let's go away, let's think about it. What you're not doing is you're not pushing forward and saying, let's get its money on the back of a pandemic. We can't afford to say no to people. But you could have very easily said that. There was another situation recently where there was a company that we felt probably was borderline because of they were involved in an industry that was harmful to the environment. And we have certain commitments to, to our B Corp um, certification and, and, and environmental commitments, and we brought it to the table of this this group, and 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 they said, you know what, we should probably do it because it's kind of borderline, but financially makes sense. It's good for the company. We we need to get a bit more revenue in. Why don't we go in and see how it goes? We can help them improve, and you know, and they took they took the the shareholders view. <laughs> in that situation and they were like and these are like people from all over the company and they took the shareholders view i think that is why you need to invest in in culture because there's a certain emotional intelligence and a certain level of iq that only exists if people bring their whole selves to work if they only bring their corporate persona or their sort of partially constructed professional version of the, per, the, the, the their whole human to work, you're only going to get that semi-skimmed version of that person. Tell me about some of the things that you're doing as an employer to become 
the employer of choice. I've recently read about your Thrive program and heard Jake, your managing director, talk about that. That sounds really exciting. Tell us more. We're committing 10% of our, our time to what we call the Thrive program, which is a program for people to do stuff that they love that will help others, whether it's the environment or your local community or charitable work or whatever that might be. So we had, for example, one of our creatives went down to Emmanuel House and did a photo shoot um, during work hours, during billable hours. We've got people consulting with some environmental charities. We've got people volunteering uh, by doing food drops for um, food banks and stuff like that. So there's lots of different ways in which people can do it. But what we give 10% of the company's time for people to be to be able to go and do that. And then there's also charitable donations that the company makes. We donate, we donate a percentage of our profits to charities and so on. And part of it, well, obviously we do it because you need to do it. You need to help others. And if you're fortunate, then there's even more reason to do it. But it's also because it's what gives the credibility to the words that some people put on the walls. If you put those things on the walls and then you don't do it and you don't do the things that are not required, then they're not values, they're words. I'm listening and I'm thinking, you must have people banging the, at the door to go on to come and work for you. But then I, I know on the other side, because we have people in our business that are talking to digital marketing agencies all the time that are saying talent is still hard to get hold of to, to find the, the right talent. How are you overcoming that then? There's a few things we're doing. So one of them is our reputation as a good place to work is really starting to work. So we have a couple of people that we've recently interviewed that have very clearly told us that they're choosing, they would love to work for us because of the things that we're doing that are visible. Our remote work policy. So we've just announced our new uh, strategy, which is work from anywhere, uh, which basically means the choice of where you work is yours and always yours and never the company's. So if you want to work, we have right now, we have a creative in Lisbon and she's sat there by the beach working on some ads and some creative. We have another in Lithuania. She's visiting her mom for the first time in two years and she's going to be there for two months. Um, that's the kind of freedom that we give people and we give it to them because we trust them. Now you get into this, into this sort of codependency, right? In order to hire the right people, that you can trust to give them that freedom, you need to give them an environment that no one else can offer. You need to be a place that is actually, you want to work there rather than it's just a job that you've got. Um, that's also opening up the doors we hire from all over the country now. Uh, and if it wasn't for Brexit, we'd be hiring all over Europe, which is trying to figure out the mountains of paperwork that we now need to get through to get, but let's not talk about Brexit today, Gary. Because we will be here till 10 o'clock at night if you... <laughs> Certainly, yeah, we're, we're seeing that challenge just as much. But we're hiring people from all over the country. Uh, we're hiring great people in Newcastle, in Leeds, in London, in, in, in Bristol. If you're good, you fit our values and you can do the job, you can work at Hallam. And, and, and that mindset is possible because we codify our culture in a way that means that there is something to belong to. It's not just a job. It's not a PR thing. It's genuinely a lot of work. It's great to hear and, and it's obviously paying off for you. There must be a lot of challenge and pressure on you. I know us as a people consultancy, we have to set our bar particularly high for the same reasons. People expect us to be amazing. And of course we we are. I would love to say that we, we make mistakes. Let's be honest. We make mistakes just the same as everybody else does. So that's a, 
a huge challenge. What what would you say the biggest challenge has been for you, perhaps since 2017 when you started with Hallam? One of the things that's really hard is uh, we. One of the reasons why we're able to cultivate a great culture is because we control our headcount. We're very careful about our growth, and we're we're very purposeful. We have a policy called precious seats which means that the number of seats available at the company is restricted on purpose. We have a number that we want to get to and that, and we don't go above it. And the only way we go above it is if we say, okay, let's add five more. And then, and then that becomes a, that becomes a ceiling again, but that has a disadvantage. And that disadvantage is what happens when your your great people want to progress. They want a better job. They want to be promoted. And, and, and that does happen. And we do sometimes lose people uh, for that reason. And they, and they come to us and they say, I've been offered this great opportunity to lead my own team. I'm really sad to be going. I don't want to leave Hallam, but I need to do it. And and it becomes a, an odd thing because some years ago when people left, it became a quiet shame. You know, they'd, they'd have the last day, there'd be a bit of a thing and they'd go away. Now what happens is everybody brands them a traitor and there's a whole big laugh about it, how they've become a traitor. And then they have a big event at the end where there's like a traitor party and everybody has a drink and... And that person gives a speech on their last day and they, they then everybody boos them. And it becomes like it's become a bit of a ritual where like the person leaving is a traitor to the cause, you know. And, and But we, they leave in like the best terms possible because it's kind of like you've had to go because we couldn't meet your expectations right now. But it isn't acrimonious and it isn't a nasty thing and it, it's not horrible at all. But that is a big challenge is when you give people like ambition and you, 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 you coach them to be forward thinking and they, you know what you need to want more we want to want more and then they kind of go okay cool i'm ready for the next step and that step doesn't exist you're going to lose them and that happens to us the alternative to that is we end up just creating more and more departments and more and more jobs just to keep people and we can't do that either that is a, a great big difficult balancing act but i think finding talent you know this gary from your own work is is finding talent is incredibly hard and and, and budgets are tight you know for for everybody and we're, we're having to find ourselves trying to price people away from the current roles and there is currently a hiring gold rush again as you as you well know and there is an, a huge amount of salary inflation and job title inflation. And, and that's, I think that's a bit of a concern for us. But that's when you need to have a culture that people don't want to leave. They'd rather be somewhere where they're paid fairly, but it's a job they love, than to go and take a leap to be paid more and to have a great job title, but take the risk that the culture sucks. There's a lot of movement around millennials and what yeah. millennials want. And I know that you'll have a lot of millennials within your business where they want purpose and purpose is more important to them than money, but that can't be Correct. the be all and end all of what they want. So the balance of, of that for them is equally as difficult as it is for the employers. I want to ask you a couple of quick fire questions today. However, before we jump onto that, you talk very passionately about Hallam and it's growing. And if you've got your precious seats available for people, how can they find out more about joining Hallam? So there's two there's two things you can do. So first of all, go to the website and check out the job listings. We actually have a job for an S, a senior SEO person open at the moment, but there's also a mailing list that you can join. And that mailing list, um, you'll get alerts for any jobs that come up. We'll just email them out to everybody on that list, and then you can quickly jump on and apply. So some quick fire questions for you then, Julio. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully I don't scare you too much of these. They come quite natural to you. I'm asking everybody because it's really important to hear that. And it's great to hear the journey that you've gone on. You've mentioned the word mentor there. And that was one of my first questions. Who's been your best mentor or manager in the 
21 years that you've been alive. I, I'm joking there. I, I don't quite know your age, but I don't think you're 21. 42, Gary. I'm 42. I was not very great at 21. So I'm glad I'm not 21 anymore. <laughs> so who's been your best mentor and your best manager over that time? I worked at the NHS where I worked alongside amazing people managed by the worst people. You know, the NHS is an incredible organization with some of the worst management I've ever seen. And then I went into self-employment and, and ownership of agencies and stuff like that. However, I've had a couple of important people along that journey. One of them is a, is a friend of mine uh, called Ronald, who, who lives in Israel. He, he was my teacher on a course that I did, a design course that I did a long time ago, and he became a mentor kind of friends and we often jump on a call on whatsapp he's in israel i'm in the uk we've never met face to face and we often have like two hour calls on facetime and we talk about everything and he's really helped me to shape my thinking and evolve the curiosity that you need to 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 become more strategic in your thinking and and on another one is my dad who passed away actually uh, in 2013 and when he died um i met a lot of people who had worked for him and all they ever talked about was what a great guy he was, the things that he did for them as a, as a boss, the, 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 the humanity that he had in the way that he, he, you know, he, he managed their, them as, as, as people and humans. And, 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 and he had this sort of like amazing benevolence to the way that he was. And um, that's always been a model to follow, just to be good and to make life better for others to work with you and work for you. Next one then is the best book do you do a lot of reading i can see lots of books there in the background are you a reader this one here is an incredible book it's called radical candor by kim scott how to get by with saying what you mean and it's an incredible book on how to give feedback and be honest um without being an obnoxious ass very good book um highly recommend it there is another book uh which is this one here called uh, Start With Why, which is by is a very classic book, but I would urge, if you haven't read it, you have to read this book. And then there's another book, which is not for everybody, called Extreme Ownership, which is by a former Navy SEAL called uh, Joko Willink. And that book is about uh, the mindset and the collective culture and mindsets of the Navy SEALs around ownership and the fact that everything that surrounds you is your responsibility the overall success of the group is your priority and that concept of ownership that if everybody is responsible for literally everything that's around you you get better results you know i'll give you one example that when i used to be in a band we used to go on tour and what our band used to do is when we were loading out back back into the van or into the bus or whatever you picked up whatever you saw, whether it was yours or it wasn't. It didn't matter. You picked everybody else's bag, somebody's coat. You pick it up. You take it. You you take collective ownership for that thing, and it just made everything incredibly efficient, incredibly. You never had to worry about forgetting anything, you know. And the last person to leave the room would do an idiot check, and they'd go around the entire venue and check every corner, and it was called the idiot check. And they'd go back and slap the bus and go, "I've done the idiot check. Okay, cool. Let's go." So that's what the book is about except it's with the navy seals so it's 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 really good and it and it's quite transformational there's a bit in the book that he talks about when he was a young marine you know and 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 he was like his boss hated him right his boss hated him and he and he bullied him and he treated him like crap and 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 he he was like this sort of young 
super rock star marine who's like you know I'm, i don't deserve this and blah 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 and 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 his his his, com- his commanding officer once said to him if you're right and everybody else is wrong why aren't you getting the results that you want if you're right and everybody else is wrong and the penny dropped for me i was like wow that's a good point so when things aren't going your way and you're blaming everybody else and you think everybody else is wrong or everybody else is lazy every whatever it is that you're thinking as a leader why are you not getting the results that you think why do you think that is and it's always you the the blame is always yours and that book will change your mind your your life when you finally understand that you you are the first step towards any change that you want to see in anything that you're involved in always without exception one of the things i wanted to know what your why is you've talked about the person that your father was and how he's instilled you in your purpose have you grown what what is your purpose julio what what's your we can talk about our company's mission statements or our purpose statements whatever that might be what's your personal one what would you like to be remembered as when you finally leave this I... earth? hopefully not on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be quite poetic if it was a bus, I think, wouldn't it? I I've thought about this a lot, and, and since I was about twenty years old, I was I was determined that I wanted to be an old guy, and I wanted to be able to sit in a on a rocking chair or whatever, watching my grandkids or whatever it is, and think uh, that was worth doing. You know what? All those things I did, it was worth doing. Like I I didn't not do it. I didn't. I gave it a go. I tried it. I gave it a shot. Right. I don't, I don't, I always promise myself, don't be that company man that has retired. And you're like, I wish I had been in a band. I wish I'd started my own business before it was too late. I wish I'd done that one thing. That's always been my, my why. I want to be an old, an old man without regret. That's what I want to be. I want to be able to sit there and go, hey, you know what? Some things didn't, some things blew up in my face. Sure. Some didn't, but I didn't, I'm not. I don't regret anything. You know, I started a business at the age of 28, 29 with not a lot of, no clue on how to do run a business. No idea, no backing, no funding, no nothing. And just did it, you know. It's great to hear. And I know whilst I've been talking to you, I can hear your little boy That's in the right. background. He's, he's, and, and I know he's screaming, he's, he's alive, so it's all good. <laughs> That's that book <laughs> that's got you through that. I don't think that that personal why is, is what you're wanting to do. Spend time with with him and, and and enjoy those times together i don't have a family at home i live on my own with my cat and i know our co-founder david he has a little boy that he absolutely adores that is six later this year and it's great he his time is so important now especially at the age of six as he's as he's growing up he wants to spend that time and make sure that he isn't just absorbed into the business and or the only memory that his boy has is that dad yeah. was at work all yeah. the time and although he does have lots of fun he does get spoiled by the whole of the team here's our extended family of talk staff we we always talk about our, our talk staff extended family he absolutely is because he gets spoiled by Tom who works for his girlfriend gets all sorts of t-shirts and all sorts of things for him so he's absolutely spoiled but David doesn't want to be the dad that that is growing old yeah. and not being able for to sure. look at sorry David will be listening now he's not growing old at all <laughs> uh, but certainly as he grows old 
um, grey and old. Uh, if anyone's listened to episode one, will know that's definitely there's some banter between <laughs> David and I. But as he's growing old, he wants to be that dad that is remembered to be the amazing dad that supports his child and not be the one that was working all the time. And that's important. You know, one thing we didn't talk about today was uh, work-life balance. And, you know, at Hallam, it's absolutely sacrosanct. You know, somebody uh, who just joined the company last week said to me today, said, you know, what's really weird good weird is that nobody messages me after hours, texts me after hours, or emails me after hours, asking me to do stuff. He says, I'm not used to that. He's been working at agencies for like 10 years. And he said, it's really weird. And he was on Slack at night and all the lights, all the little lights were off, you know? And he's like, it's really odd. Uh, That's really important at Hallam. We don't, we don't like out of hours work. We don't like long hours. We don't like any of those things. And and that's because, you know, something I say all the time is work should exist to make your life better, not the other way around. My dad was a company man and he worked way too much, way too hard. And that's one of the reasons why he died young, because he was an absolute, absolutely dedicated to a company that frankly didn't care enough. And if it cared more, he wouldn't have worked himself to the position that he, that he ended up being in. So that's another thing that I, I think is central to my commitment to well-being and i know jake shares exactly the same view exactly the same as i if you put that over profit you'll make more profit i like to call it a life work balance not a work-life balance because it absolutely is more important life work balance yeah that's much better hulu thank you so much i've really enjoyed talking to you we talk far too often i think next time we do this we yep. need to sit with a pint down the pub absolutely it's well overdue and I know we can do that from our Nottingham location that we've got as well. So you're more than welcome yeah, to come over next time we catch up. Hugh Taylor is the CEO of Hallam Digital Marketing Agency in Nottingham. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it, Gary. And good luck with the rest of the podcast. That was the People Focus Podcast with Talkstaff. Please use your podcast app to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for more content, visit talkstaff.co.uk slash people focus.